Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. But all of these I have kept, the young man said. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will be there before us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, all the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Well, good morning again. Um, you know, in uh, January, we began to, we returned to uh, a practice that we have uh, done uh, throughout the years. Uh, in fact, this practice started before I uh, came uh, here, and it c will continue after I'm gone. And that's, uh, we remind ourselves about what we uh, at Asbury are about. And, uh, and in order to do, uh, to do that, uh, I just want to highlight, we've got two new uh, banners that have what we're about. And so let's say together, uh, Asbury is about loving people, transforming lives, making disciples. And, and, and of course, I always uh, come back to the, the fact that loving, uh, loving uh, 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 making disciples is about connecting people with Jesus and helping them to, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to serve Jesus. And as we do that, what we recognize is Jesus connects us with one another. And so when we know Jesus, love Jesus, uh, and, uh, and serve Jesus, what we're doing is loving people, seeing lives being transformed, and again, helping people uh, to, to disciple people so that they know Jesus. So, uh, you know, over the next few months, uh, there's kind of a, a pattern that I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, following, and, and it's based on our, our, uh, our 
about statement. One is, uh, our, the first thing is loving people, and so I uh, started that back in January, and, and we went uh, till last week, uh, which was Valentine's Day, and, uh, and then, uh, then following that, now uh, we're in Lent, and we're going to be looking at uh, uh, transforming lives and seeing how lives are uh, transformed in the scriptures. And and then following uh, Lent and after uh, Easter, guess where we're going? Making disciples, that's right. And so that's uh, the direction we're going. And and so with that in mind, I I want to look at today's uh, today's, uh, passage. Uh, The title of today's message is Don't Ask the Question Unless You're Ready for the Answer. And we see that in, in the conversation between uh, Jesus and this uh, man. Uh, it's Matthew 19, 16 uh, through 30, but we're not just looking at Matthew 19 because uh, this story appears uh, three times in the Gospels. Uh, uh, Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke uh, 18. So uh, three of the four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and mini- uh, life, ministry, and death, uh, and resurrection uh, include this story. Now, as, as we look at this, uh, you know, I, I can't uh, uh, get away from the fact that this week has been a, a different kind of week, right? Uh, I mean, uh, anybody go shopping this past week? Yeah, and when you went into the store, what did you see? Nothing, right, right. Uh, Friday, I went in uh, to, uh, to HEB on Saratoga, which is our HEB, and, uh, and right from the beginning, the doors open, and, uh, and there is nothing on the shelf, uh, you know, the produce that's usually right there when the, the doors open, the grapefruits or the oranges or the, the blueberries, none of it was there. And, uh, and then I went to the meat section, and, uh, and one of the things uh, in, in the past is always you have, to, you have to decide, you know, if you go to get chicken, uh, you, do you want, uh, do you want uh, thighs, breasts, uh, legs, uh, the whole chicken? Uh, well, uh, on Friday it was, do you want this chicken or not? You know, and uh, and so that was true all the way through the ch- through uh, uh, through HEB, and and I recognized on Friday that our our food chain ha- had uh, had been disrupted, uh, and, and then uh, on Tuesday is the day that we get together uh, either online or uh, here at in the church uh, for for our. Uh, worship team meeting and our and our staff meeting, and and so you know get up uh, Monday or Tuesday morning and and I'm texting just to see how uh, folks are and as it turns out uh, some of us have power and some of us don't have power uh, and those who don't have power don't have internet and if you don't have internet you can't do an online. Uh, a meeting, and so now we're going. Okay, let's let's uh, meet up at the church, and then somebody responds. Uh, the power's out at the church, and so uh, so on on Tuesday, uh, you know, the communication line was disrupted, and uh, and, and then I was uh, uh, 
Responding to uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Lopez's uh, question, how are you? Uh, it was sometime, I think it was on Tuesday, and, uh, and I said, you know, we at our home are, are fine. There's folks who are uh, having uh, some issues, but we uh, are, are fine. I said, but I've discovered how much I depend on the Internet uh, because even though we had power and we had water, uh, we didn't have internet. It was in and out. And when I started to, to plan for, for Sunday, uh, you know, I'd get started and then it'd go out and I'd get frustrated and I'd uh, go try to do something else. And then I'd come back and I'd have it for a little bit. And finally, I just gave up altogether. And I was thinking, all right, since I can't do my work, why don't I watch a movie? And then I realized uh, that doesn't work either. And I said, you know, I said Tom wasn't a happy camper on Monday night because uh, we'd lost the Internet. But the other thing I found out is not only was my food line, you know, our food chain disrupted, a communication line disrupted. But when I look over this past week, I recognize that my soul was disrupted. I was anxious and, and, uh, and, and, and uneasy about what was going on in my own life. And it was kind of like this particular situation kind of exposed some of the shallowness in, in, in me uh, that I, I depend on so many things on the outside. And when those things are stripped away, then something happens on the inside. So with, with that in mind, so uh, we, we come to this passage. And like I said, like I said there are three uh, three uh, places, uh, three uh, gospel accounts uh, that include this story. And, and what I want to look at is, is what surrounds the story before we actually get into the story, because I think it's important. And, and uh, as I was looking, there were certain elements that were around each of these stories that were, you know, say Matthew said something or did something prior to this or after this. Uh, that was different than what Mark did, and, and, and Mark did something different than what Luke did. But these three things were true in, in all of the, the accounts. Uh, there was something that preceded the account, then there was the account, and then there was something that followed the account. And it was true in all three uh, uh, Gospels. And, and so what preceded it? I mean, you could, if you opened up to Luke 19... Uh, you would you would find right before that uh, uh, just a, a few verses, and and it's a story uh, about parents who were bringing their kids uh, to to Jesus. In fact, let me read you uh, one of the accounts, and this is out of Mark, and I chose Mark because of what it says at the very end. But all of them have this story right before. Uh, what, we, what we read today, or what we heard Pastor Trudy reading today. So people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. So here's the image. Here are bringing, uh, bringing those children uh, to Jesus and the, uh, and, and the disciples, the followers of Jesus who've been hanging out with Jesus, they figure the, uh, these kids shouldn't be bothering the master. And, and so they're they're, they're annoyed, and, and they're trying to, to shoo them away, uh, but they don't get shooed away. Why? Because when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, not with the parents, not with the kids, but with his disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will 
not receive the uh, kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And, uh, and this is why I, ca- I, I like this particular uh, version. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And so uh, that was what was happening right before this man shows up. Well, what was happening right after, and if you look at it in the NIV, there's always something that kind of tells you, what, you know, a line that tells you what's, uh, what's coming up. And in this particular case, immediately after, uh, after this, in two of the three versions, is a line that says Jesus uh, predicts his death for the third time. And, uh, and, and so that kind of raised the question, well, if this is the ter- third time, what was the first time? And, and, and it's true, uh, again, in all three versions. All three versions have a first time. At, uh, all three uh, versions have a second time. And all three versions have a third time. The, and, uh, and the first time uh, that Jesus predicts his death is when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And, uh, and the uh, uh, disciples have all kinds of answers. And then he said, finally, who do you say that I am? And, uh, and Jesus, uh, or, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, uh, and this is what it says after that. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And so uh, Jesus, you know, says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. And, uh, and, uh, and the response, the kickback on that is P- the, the disciples weren't excited about that plan. And, and Peter even said, that's not going to happen. Um, the second time uh, ha- happens shortly after that. Jesus takes uh, John, uh, uh, John and James up to a, a mountain on the top of the mountain. Uh, Jesus becomes so gloriously bright that it would be like looking uh, at the sun. And so the, the, the three disciples who were with him see the glory uh, of God in Jesus. And then after that is over, the, they come down uh, from the mountain. And it's kind of like Jesus is telling them, don't say anything about this until much later, until after, basically after I have come back from the dead. And they're still you know, you know, not getting it. And when they get down there, the disciples, the other disciples have been trying to help this man whose son is, uh, is demon-possessed. They're not able to help him. And so Jesus speaks a word. The, the uh, demon is uh, cast out of the boy. The boy is healed. And, and this is what it, it says immediately after that. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not uh, understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it and they were afraid to ask him about it. Now, again, Jesus is telling them as clearly as possible, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And they're scratching their head and we just don't get it. Uh, That was the second time. And then the the third time, there we go, uh, the third time uh, was, was right after this encounter with the man. And it says, now Jesus was giving, was going up to Jerusalem 
on the way, he took the twelve aside and, and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, as we hear that, it, it sounds like Jesus is talking about someone else, but, but they knew and uh, we understand when he uh, references the Son of Man, he's talking about himself. And so, again, they're hearing for the third time Jesus is going to die. And, and so we have the, the children coming to Jesus right before the man shows up. And then uh, Jesus, for the third time, saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. So what does that have to do with this particular passage? Why are you, Tom, why are you talking about what comes before and what comes to, uh, after? And, and, and it's this, it's, uh, it's that, that I believe what comes before shows us who Jesus loves, and what comes after shows us how Jesus lives because of who Jesus loves. And, and, and those two things come to, to bear in this conversation. Let's go with who Jesus loves. Um, and, and it's not just the children, it's not just the parents. The disciples looked at the parents, looked at the kids, and they dismissed them. They, they were not uh, people of influence. They, they had no power, no authority, no wealth. Uh, you know, this is, this is probably poor parents who just want to, to, uh, someone to, to acknowledge them and their kids. They just want a, a blessing from a holy man uh, so that maybe uh, the... So they, they were coming uh, and they were insignificant in, in the eyes of the world, including the disciples, but they were not insignificant in the eyes of Jesus. In fact, Jesus uses the children as the heroes of a story, and that story is, how do you get into, into heaven? Well, this is how you get into heaven. You become like a child and trust the Father, and, uh, and, and that was consistent in Jesus's stories and, and how he approached that, that Jesus over and over again shows that he just absolutely loves and delights in people. And it didn't matter whether you were wealthy or poor. That uh, was insignificant. It didn't matter if you had great influence or no influence. None of that. It didn't ma matter if you were sick or well. Uh, it didn't matter. You can just go through the list over and over again. When people came to Jesus, Jesus welcomed them. Why? Because he loved who? People. All people. I mean, he used a, a tax collector as a, as a hero in one story, a widow as a hero in another, a foreigner who was not accepted in, in that culture as a hero of an, another. And so it did not matter. He loved people. So when the, the man comes to, to uh, Jesus, did Jesus love him? Was he a person? So yes, absolutely. He, in fact, in one of the... Uh, passages Luke uh, tells us 
He loved him. Um, and then, then the other, how did Jesus live? Well, Jesus lived sacrificially. I mean, Jesus gave his life away. Uh, he was on his way as he was, as he was moving. He was on his way to Jerusalem where he would truly give everything away. He lived sacrificially. I, I was sharing in this uh, uh, story that uh, Ellen is reading a book called uh, The Forever Feast by Dr. Paul Brand. And Dr. Dr. Paul Brand uh, did ministry in, in India and uh, probably was a, a contemporary of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, but, but for sure he knew who, who Gandhi was and he knew that uh, Gandhi ha- held a, a, a great deal of respect among the, the Indian people. And, and, and the reason they respected Gandhi is because he did not ask uh, of others anything uh, beyond what he would himself expect of himself. And so in this, in this story that Ellen shared with me, uh, there is, a, uh, there, there is a, a mother and, and she comes to the village where Gandhi is and she brings her young son and, and she's concerned about uh, the behavior of her son because her son has been eating uh, sugar cane all the time and even when she takes it away and hides it from him. Uh, he, he's still getting into it, and she's concerned because it's rotting his teeth away. So she brings, brings her, uh, her boy to, to uh, Gandhi, and she says, uh, Bapu, which is uh, a, 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 a nickname for Gandhi, Bapu, uh, will you speak to my son? And, and she lays out exactly what I just said. He, you know, he... He eats sugarcane, and it's ruining his teeth, and it's going to ruin his health. And I, I've, I've scolded him. I've taken things away. Nothing has worked, but, but I believe if, if you will speak to him, uh, his life will be changed. And, uh, and, and Gandhi says, uh, Madam, I will speak to him in a week. So if you come back m- next week, I will talk to your son. And so she returns to her village. And one week later, she arrives back at, at, uh, at his, his home, his very humble home. And, and, uh, and so Gandhi speaks to the boy. And, and the boy uh, uh, responds by saying, yes, uh, I will stop eating the sugar cane. And, and the mother is grateful, but she's also perplexed. She goes, well, why didn't you do that last week? And he says, madam, I could not. Speak to your boy about giving up the sugar cane because last week I had not given up the sugar cane. You know, people respected him because he asked of them what he asked of himself. And Jesus, uh, in in this story, is going to ask for a, a huge sacrifice. But it comes out of his sacrificial living to begin with. And so when we enter into this story, we need to recognize it is out of love and sacrifice that Jesus speaks into this man's life. And so let's get to the story. Um, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And so he's coming there and says, What must I do? And, and that's really, I, I want to emphasize, that's really the question we are entering into, uh, into uh, this Lenten season with. 
what must I do uh, during this period? And, and what he, what he's, there's something going on in his life that drives him to speak to Jesus because he's, he's got something going on, and yet there is an emptiness inside. And so Jesus says, says uh, responds to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good, and he's talking about, look, we know that God is good. And he, uh, you know, he knows he is good because he is God. But he wants to make that, make that clear that you're coming to me because you see something in me. Now, let's get, get to the heart of the matter. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And then the young man uh, uh, says, uh, says uh, which ones? And, and Jesus gives him six uh, commandments. Uh, out of the 600 plus commandments, he narrows it down to six. Now, this is in, in Matthew, he does this. In Mark and Luke, he, uh, you know, he, he just gives the commandments right off. He doesn't even need to be asked. But in all three of the, of the accounts, the response of the young man is the same. All these I have kept. All of these I've kept. And, and then he's, in this account, he says, what do I still lack? In the other two accounts, Jesus is the one who says, one thing you still lack. And so, here's the, the interesting thing is, the man knows he lacks something. Jesus knows he lacks something. And the disciples watching this exchange, they, can't re, they don't remember exactly how it came out, but they knew he lacked something. See, uh, the man had, had a lifestyle that he could, he could fulfill on the outside, but what was going on, the ins- on in the inside was still empty. And he recognized that, that he had connected with all the rules and regulations, but he hadn't connected with the ruler, the God of all eternity. And he knew that there was something missing, and so he's coming there in search of this relationship. And Jesus responds and, and tells him, you're still lacking one thing. Or he's saying, I still lack one thing. And the disciples are saying, he still lacks one thing. And so what follows next is, is Jesus says this, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Okay, so... Let's just summarize what he's saying. We, at this point, we don't know what he has. I mean, we do because we've heard the story. Uh, Pastor Trudy read it to us. But at this point, we don't know what he has. And, uh, and the disciples don't know what he has. But what, he, what Jesus is saying is what you have, you've got to give away. You've got to give it up. And then you've got to come and follow me. Had he ever asked anybody to give up what they had and come follow him? Absolutely. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Matthew. We have an account of all of those, those five in particular, where Jesus spoke to them uh, where they were with what they had and said, drop it all. And come, follow me. So this is not a, an unusual request. 
the man, it, it, his response is uh, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The message puts it this way, that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. Why was it the last thing that he expected to hear, according to uh, Peterson in his account, uh, uh, you know, in his version? And, and it's this, and honestly, we in America have gotten stuck on this from, on occasion. Look, if you're doing well, it's because you're blessed and that God loves you and cares for you. It, it, you know, other people get sick, but you haven't gotten sick, obviously. You're doing well, and God likes you. Uh, your car runs. You've got a nice house. Obviously, God has blessed you. I mean, that was the thinking then, and, and it creeps into our, uh, uh, the way we think in America. And, 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 the, and the reality is, he had all of those things, but he was empty on the inside. And that's just as true for us in this day and time. And so he was crestfallen because he thought he was doing well and he wasn't. And so crestfallen, fallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things. And he couldn't bear to let go. Now, and again, this week kind of exposed that in my own life. I've been holding on to a lot of things. You know, the internet really going down, exposed how much I've been holding on to, to the things that, that I can, you know, I can look at. You know, I'm always, you know, learning things through YouTube. Uh, and, 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 and when that was gone, it's like, what do I do? You know, I've asked people to be quiet, you know, spend time with God. And, and this week, it was anything but quiet in my soul. And yet, in, in, in this, as we move into, into Lent, into a period where traditionally uh, followers of Jesus have given up something for Lent, uh, and just a, out of curiosity, anybody given up something for Lent during this time? Just, okay. You know, traditionally, we do that. You know, chocolate, meat. You know, um, and, 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 and yet Jesus is not asking you to give up something for Lent. He's asking us to give up something for Him. And there's something that, that I'm holding on to that I'm going to have to let go during this period of time. There's something that you're holding on to right now that you're going to have to let go. And it's not just for Lent, it's for Jesus as we move into this time. And so we're going to be looking, like I said, at transforming lives. And transformation begins with the willingness to ask this question. Lord, what would you have me do? And then being prepared for the answer. And I don't know what that answer is for you. I don't even know what that answer is for me today. But going into Lent, I want to ask it. Because I want to give up my life to live 
for him. And that's why I say to live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to enter into a, a time of prayer, and Rose Garcia is going to uh, lead us in that time of prayer. So Rose, come on up, and I'll sit on down, and you uh, lead us.